Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. It is Hungerford State's weekend, height of summer. Unfortunately, we're not quite back on the race course yet, but you had some good news, didn't you, James? Yes, uh, Sky Sports notification coming through just as we're about to start. Pilot events to test safe return of spectators to resume from Saturday in hope that fans can attend at the start of October. So the Betfair chase, here we come. Happy days and even, even a minute into a into a f- podcast in the middle of a flat season. We've at least got a semi-reference to Lost in Translation in there. Uh, my name's Lewis Tomlinson. As per usual, I'm joined by James Watson. Uh, and we're going to get stuck into just a, a quick review of last weekend's action, Jim. The two group ones, uh, one in Ireland, one in France. And over in Ireland, the Phoenix Stakes. Jim, did you think this, this was the best field of two-year-olds we've seen so far this season? I think it was. Um, and it slightly left my head a bit puzzled a bit, really. The horses that you were sort of expecting to come to the far, uh, far as, as long as Lucky Vega the eventual winner did uh, absolutely careered away from from the field in what was a devastating performance. Uh, the other horses, your Steel Bulls, um, your Ventura Tementas, uh, winning that grade two. The Legion got there eventually, but it almost just felt a little lacklustre. Maybe I was expecting more of a a closer finish. I, I I didn't I couldn't see a lot between the the horses at the head of the market and. Um, it, it was purely based on price on my decision, but there was a few slight disappointments. There's turned out to be some reasons for them disappointments, but you can't take that away from Lucky Vega. Um, uh, he finished a good second uh, previous to that in graded company previous to that in the railway behind Law of Indices, and you were sort of expecting that Law of Indices would carry on that form beating Lucky Vega once again and, and Lucky Vega's quite clearly progressed from that run even more and uh, looks an impressive winner and and of course the, the controversy controversy of the reverse placings of the second and third continue in Ireland and all around the country. I mean, we've I, that that was a talking point in the uh, reversing between the Learjet and Aloha Star. <laughs> I I I guess I guess the problem there isn't whether or not it was interference; it was the inconsistency of the rules being applied. Where we see things worse than that, you know, on a weekly or fortnightly basis, you know, we can all con- we can all think of worse incidents like that than that that clearly had a bigger effect on the result than what Aloha Star did to the Learjet that haven't been overturned. I know there was, you know, it's two different governing bodies in, in Britain and Ireland. You can think of ones in Ireland, though, as well. You know, and it's... I, I, I get why the frustration is there in that in that scenario. Uh, best performance, though, from a juvenile we've seen this season, fractionally, I think, from Lucky Vega. I really like Tactical. Uh, but I think on that, Lucky Vega just edges it because Laws of Indices, who beat him, Earlier in the season, the rail ran a really, really good race in fourth as well, uh, having been slightly slow away. Yeah, um, he certainly saw a, a very, very good kick between the furlong pole and the finishing line. Uh, that's what most impressed me. I thought he obviously, I thought, I thought he got the run of the race. He just sat behind the leaders who soon tailed away fairly quickly, and he was there ready to pounce. I know most of the action was on the far side, and he was more on, on the wing. But that last 200 yards, that that sprint finish showed uh, his excellence, really. And I I almost think uh, the, the horse is just... Is it supremacy of Clive Cox's that won at yes. Goodwood? Uh, it sort of reminded me a bit of that. I thought that he got the run of the race, but he put the put the race to bed completely and, and shattered the idea that he'd got, got it just from the, the way he run. Um, and I think you have to mark him up. Steel Bull who I fancied for the Malcolm and uh, ended up in this. Did you hear the, de- the shocking news that he smashed his teeth? Uh, yeah, he's your dance the <laughs> um, That's not what you really want to be having uh, during a race. So you can mark him up. He travelled into the race very well, just didn't find as much late on. So put a line through that. I think stepping back down to five, I think he's got plenty of speed uh, uh, about him. 
the Lidge, yeah, I think a bit softer ground. His action to me strikes me that he might like a bit of dig underfoot. And it was fairly quick at the weekend at the Curra. Um, so I'm not saying that's an excuse, but um, stepping up in class, he, he needed to step up again and he sort of middled out again. Um, but like, once again, lucky Vega, you can't take that victory away from yeah, again, I, I, I like the Leeds. I think he's going to be the sort of horse to be pretty solid and hold his form well uh, in these sort of races throughout the season. You know, I think he's going to end up being quite a decent little benchmarking indicator of how good the other two-year-olds are uh, in regards to how well they do against the Leeds. Jet uh, further down the field, Jim St. Martin's Basilica, the maiden, ended up going off favourite. Uh, the Coolmore boys, obviously, very confident. Obviously, misplaced in their confidence there. Uh, and Admiral Nelson looked like he was going to be the next best thing after his debut. He's done nothing since, though, mate. He's becoming a bit of an hard one. Yeah, a bit of confusion. He showed a lot of speed from the gates. Uh, obviously, he's had a few runs down, knew his job. And, and St. Mark's Basilica sort of took a bit of time to get going and was was ridden more towards the back of the, the field. Um, I, I, they'll pick a... Re- Pick a race up with St. Mark's Basilica. Um, but Admiral Nelson, as you said, is a right head scratcher because that, that debut was, you thought the only way he's going to go there is forwards. And since that, he's regressed many times. Yeah, fair enough, mate. And over in France, Jim, I wasn't very keen on Space Blues. I didn't think he'd beaten a Group 1 quality field yet in his career. He did that, though on Sunday and he did it with so much authority this was world class yeah it was a really superb performance when Golden Horde started to turn the taps on from the front um, he, he was still travelling just behind the bridle and when William Buick asked him to go he soon accelerated away and, and we knew that he'd certainly well he, st- he stayed seven furlongs uh, at Goodwood impressively last time and, and you knew that stamina wasn't going to be a negative and he's he's fair enough beat this field very comfortably. Um, I think this and the Lennox that was last weekend are two races that suit him down to the ground. He's clearly improving, and, and at the age of four, he's, he's getting better with every run. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do next with him, because it's quite clear he's versatile enough over six and seven. Um, obviously, a bit of dig underfoot for six furlongs. He's certainly more up his street, because his he's stamina ticks in there. Um, but you can't take away that performance and all the right horses were all in the right places and I, I thought that was a, a very, very good performance from Space Blues. Foray all over, mate. I'd If I was Charlie Appleby, I'd be looking at Space Blues as my number one rather than Pinatubo now. I think I would as well. Um, but... It, it all depends on how much he, he likes Pinatubu so much, doesn't it? Um, he's always been... He will probably always be a bigger fan of him than Space Blues. Um, do you think they will even run him in the same race? Probably not. Because I think they might. Uh, they've, they've it's quite... a congestion part of the fictionally soldier, and that's all I worry about. With Arc Weekend and Champions, you know, Champions Day within... Is it a week or a fortnight of each other? I think it's a fortnight. Would they? Would do, do you think that'd be a possibility that one and you know? Well, I guess it would be Pinatubo going for the QE2, even though the foray might, you know. Well, in fact, will suit him better. But just to have a dart at both, because what do what do Godolphin have over a mile? Terabellum. Barney Roy. They won't win Group Ones, though, will they? No. Not open Group Ones. No. Uh, so that's a very good point. I don't, I don't know, mate. I'm not, I'm not sure. Hello, Umzane is is just very, very decent. Well, a, a very, very good Group One horse, not a generational talent, but one of the best sprinters around at the minute. Over six and an extended six, he ran well in second though. Again, I think Space Blues was more dominant than the actual winning margin of three and a quarter lengths uh, suggested. And I've said some mean things about Lope Fernandez in the past. He's been very, very good on his last two starts. Third again here. I just still get the feeling about him though, Jim, that he's a sort of horse who could get turned over at odds on by someone like Speaking Colours. <laughs> yeah, that is a very fair way to put him. Um, 
they've tried everything with him, miles, seven furlongs, six furlongs, and he travelled like a dream last, uh, in the in the uh, Maurice de Geest uh, on the far side, and he's just not picked up as much as he expected. Maybe he's a bit of a bridle horse, if anything. Um, we saw how well he travelled over seven against Pinatubo last time. Um, maybe he doesn't find as much under pressure as as maybe they would like. However, you can't you can't fault his performance once again. Yeah, and Earthlight Jim ended up going off odds on, which was a little bit mental, in my opinion. Even though he was the right favourite, odds on was odds on was a vast overestimation of how superior his prior form was to this. Uh, decent, decent in fourth, but. You'd have liked to have seen a little bit more. Yeah, you have to say he was disappointing, wasn't he? Um, I thought two to one were a fair enough price about him. When I looked on the day to see that he was that short a price, I nearly spat my cornflakes out. Um, I thought I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had him at that price at all. You have to say that he's, he's sort of disappointed there. You would have liked to have seen him within half a length of the winner or three, quarter, three quarters of a length. Uh, and I know that's give or take, he's only half, half a length. But at no stage of that race did I think he was going to win. Um, and that's what's slightly disappointing with me. Whereas the front three, I all thought, had a decent chance of winning at any stage of the race. Golden Horde, I don't, I don't know. At the time, everyone thought, I thought that Commonwealth Cup performance was really, really good. And he's slightly been disappointing since in races that you'd expect him to, that would suit him he, he, I thought he'd certainly appreciate a bit of cut underground uh, and I, I, I've been slightly disappointed with his July Cup and, and this performance again yeah definitely definitely going backwards uh, other things we'll mention from this weekend before we move on uh, Cayenne Pepper and Passion turned over by Tanawa in the Give Thanks that was a decent little race down at Cork uh, my nap of the weekend, Pacify got his ass under to him by Longhouse Sale, who put in an absolutely exquisite round of jumping at, at your toxic go and watch if you've not seen it and if you're a big you know, if we are still technically a national hunt podcast. Uh as much as we talk about the flat nowadays, so go go and watch that if you've not seen it. Extra elusive. Really, really good ride from Holiday. Turn the tables with Global Giant to win the Rose of Lancaster. Uh and Glen Shield. Who somehow I missed, missed that he were running, went one at 12 to 1 after I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I thought he was going to win group races this season. Ah, that's one that got away. Uh, but hopefully a couple of years got on that uh, and, and clocked it before I did, as in before the race happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm enjoying America. I'm enjoying watching the American stuff. I watched the, was it Saratoga on Saturday night? Yeah, it is the Lager. One once again, he, he's certainly very impressive. He's and, a beast, uh, mate. He is. He is. Uh, is he the best in the world? Oh, that's a that's a bold statement to make. Uh, we also saw Gamine run previous to to that, and she certainly looks like she's got a fair engine as well. Uh, I was possibly, possibly, I was more impressed with Gamine than Tis the Law. Um, for Bob Buffett, once again, the the uh, Phillies are dominating all these graded races, and I wonder what they could do next with them. They might go to the well, they will probably go to the Oaks, um, Kentucky Oaks. But I'd love love them to have a go. They can run in the Kentucky Derby, I think. Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. Uh... Yeah, I'd I I I think it is a lot. I think Tizalon might be the best racehorse in the world at the minute. Oof, that's a statement. I'll say that quietly. I think he'll hack up in the Kentucky Derby. Not an absolutely bugger all about his opposition, but if anything's good enough to get within five lengths of him, Jesus Christ, he looked monstrous. So, and I, I'm enjoying it, even though when you do watch American racing, you get more tree than horse. Uh, it makes the bath camera angle look good, doesn't it? Bloody hell. Uh, judicial not, one on not Monday. Not did you see the Salisbury camera today? Oh, hell. Oh, they're horrible, aren't they? Due, due uh, to thunder and lightning, it was like, I think it was that two-runner race where there were odds-on shot, and it was, with three furlongs to go, I think it were a head-on. <laughs> I couldn't tell what horse were in front or anything, and it, 
I didn't have any commentary on either, which made it worse. God, but I understand with lightning and stuff, you can't have cameras up high. Yeah. As I said, Judicial as well, who is a legend, uh, won the Queen's Ferry Stake on Monday. The King of Yorkshire, that is what Judicial is now. We love him round here. And he just runs his race every time. Uh, great to see him back in the winner's enclosure. And one you'll enjoy, Jim. Uh, the 5.25 at Lingfield on Thursday was won by a horse rated 43 called Temujin, uh, which is a takeaway by mine to sell kangaroo <laughs> meat in Sorby Bridge. Uh, yeah, they sell, it's, it's like a buffet noodle thing. So you put your, uh, you, you, they make your noodles and they put whatever meat you want in and you can have kangaroo there if you want. So uh, that's a nice little plug for them. Uh, and for Temujin, who won at 25 to 1. Uh, well done to him and Joey Haynes and Chelsea Bannon. Uh, bless up to all yous. Uh, we'll have to have a bit of a list of all the horse takeaways. Well, no, that sounds like horses going takeaways. Um, takeaways that are named after horses. That's what we're talking about. Um, we'll have to start making a list. I mean, tomorrow night at the Curra, mate, there is uh, the return of Sinawan, who... We saw last season getting beat at Leopardstown by Big Fat Mogul. <laughs> Good old Big Fat Mogul. Yeah, he runs in the Royal Whip Stakes up against Armoret and Leo de Fury. I'd be with Leo de Fury there out of those three, the Harrington horse. Also, an Irish, the Irish Ledger Trial Witch last year's winner. Search for a song is back. Well, she won the Irish Ledger, not this race, but she's back up against Delphi and Irish, uh, a master of reality. This weekend, though, Jim, like we said, the headline is the Hungerford Stakes over seven furlongs of Group Two, uh, and Dream of Dreams. I put on Twitter earlier about uh, who is the highest-rated horse in Britain without a Group win to his name, and it is Dream of Dreams. He's got an OR of one seventeen, but he still never won a Group race. Uh, with loads of people having having guesses at it. Uh, I think it was. Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> got first person to get it, which is horrific presenting. Uh, but we'll give him a shout out when I when I actually find out. But Dream of Dreams is five to two Fav over Fret at five to one, eleven to two Surf Dancer, fifteen to two Glorious Journey, tens Pierre Lapan and Symbolise, eleven to one Namos and Breathtaking Look, twenty five History Writer, and forty to one uh, for Jane Chapel Hines Maiden Lincoln Bright. <sighs> Dream of Dreams doesn't win very much, Jim. He doesn't win much. He's the best in this race, on all we know. Yeah, he certainly is. Uh, this is this is sort of a, the lost souls of the season, Hungerford Stakes, I, I, I'd say. They're all sort of horses that you will, won't be surprised if they flopped, but they, you won't be surprised if they bolted up. Um, <sighs> Dream of Dreams, I'm probably looking to take on. Um he just seems to finish late, doesn't he, and fast, and just never gets his head in front as often as, as probably should. Uh, he, outstanding run last time in the Diamond Jubilee. He he was held up, and he, he was never near until the last drive, and he probably even, I think he passed Hello Humes in as they passed the line. Uh, well, the next two strides passed the line. Um, Oshie Murphy takes the ride. He's five to two, a fair enough price. I think he's slightly on the skinny side at this moment in time. Um, looking at stats towards this race, um, normally you look for a three to four year old to be to be running in this rather than a six year old. We, we've got last year's winner, Glorious Journey, in this, uh, carrying the three pound penalty. Um, you have to give him a mention because he's probably. The most, uh, I think he's the most likely bet in this. Although he's got to carry the penalty at nine stone nine, uh, his winning this last year was very good. He beat Labrisa Breeze and Safe Voyage, Sir Dancelot, who, who were, were all ultra consistent types last season. Um, this season, we haven't possibly seen that much of him. Uh, he, he went out to Maidan at the start of the season and, and picked up a, a Group Two, and. He, also, he'd been to Saudi Arabia, where he'd finished behind Mubtasim, and he beat Speaking Colours. That was a, a fair enough race, to be fair. Um, and then at Goodwood, just he never really settled, I didn't think, uh, in that. And 
he, he just got tired late on. I think that was a strong group too. I think this is a, a lot weaker group too. And I think 15 to 2 is a fair enough price about him each way. Uh, you look at the three-year-olds in this race, you, you've got certainly got question marks with threat. Although he was impressive as a two-year-old, he, he's not shown a shadow of his form as a three-year-old. Pierre Lapin, exactly the same. You, you, there's more negatives for Pierre Lapin than positives. And Surf Dancer, uh, last time out, won the listed race, beating Boccaccio. Um, do I think the form of that race is that good? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, having previously been slightly disappointed in the handicap behind that, although it was a deep handicap, uh, three-year-old handicap, sorry. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I think the more solid in this is Gloria's journey to, to get the double in this race. And uh, I, th- I do think 15 to 2 is a fair enough price about him. I like Gloria's journey uh, in the Lennox if anyone was listening to that podcast, he drifted markedly. I think I put him up at, what, 14s or something like that, and he ended up going off 25s. He did. But the market told you he was going to run poorly. And he did. You can forgive, I mean, you can kind of forgive a horse their first run uh, back from the Middle East, I guess. But I'd, I do, I'm, I'm very much a form, a form man, especially in, you know, sort of level, you know, level weight stakes races, really. Where you uh, where you're not dropping down the weights for for your poor form. <laughs> I am I am probably going to just about be with Dream of Dreams, but there's not too much more I can add to what you said. Like you say, Fret has been well below his uh, uh his form from last season as a two year old. Always look to be fair, mate. It, I don't think it would have been an earth-shattering prediction to have said at the start of this year, Fret won't train on particularly well. Mm, I, I, I had more. I was more positive about Fret this season. I thought, I thought maybe he might kick on again. I always had the idea that he'd make a fairly decent three-year-old. Um, I thought he had excuses first time out, but last time in the July Cup, uh, I backed him and I, I thought. Step back down to six would certainly be where he'd want to be, and he never really looked like he had a chance in the race. Yeah, surf dancers win last time out in the listed race. It was a, it was quite a poor listed race, wasn't it, Jim? Yeah. Uh, needs to step up again on that, in my opinion. Though, look, he's 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 one of the ones with room for progress. He's one of the ones for room for progress, but he'd. I'm. I don't think I'm tempted by the 11-2. Glorious journey. His form prior to last time out would give him a right chance of winning this again. Needs to get rid of that. Pierre Lapin's form, Jim, one one zero zero is actually uh, two-thirds of my sort code. <laughs> I hope everyone's listening. Pay attention. Yeah, if if, if you just want to guess at the last thing and uh, transfer me some cash, uh, happy days. Uh, but yeah, I mean... One one zero zero says quite a lot about uh, how good last season was compared to this one. I know you loved him as a juvenile, mate. I just thought he just looked spindly. Yeah, and, and he a bit, has a... go on. Sorry, he looked, just looked like a horse that just wouldn't take much racing or wouldn't want a, wouldn't want any graft. I don't know. I don't know what it is about him, but he's been shy this year. Although to be fair. The Lennox was a better race than this. So, this is an easier task for both him and Gloria's journey. Not hugely keen on anything further down the field. I am. I am, in fact. Uh, is it... Go on. Namos uh, of uh, David Mosser. Is it David Mosser, I think? Or Moser. Um He didn't run too badly in the July Cup. Um, he just... He, he looked like slightly one pace towards the end. I think stepping back up uh, up in trip to seven won't be a, a negative to him. He, he last ran over seven in the Jean Pratt behind two darn hot on space blues, uh, which was arguably one of his best performances that we'd seen uh, 
he'd run over six behind advertise in uh, Maurice de Geese previously and, uh, and was disappointing and had run over six in a group two in Germany where he'd been beat by Wildfad who'd won the Hackwood and Royal Intervention won that race who was a fair enough horse for, for Ed Walker but the, I think the fact that they're bringing him back to England for this is interesting um, he had decent form as a three-year-old He's had one run as a four-year-old this season, and, and he's not embarrassed himself. He's uh, he's beat Threat in the July Cup last time, and there's six points difference between them. I don't think I don't think I can put you off, Namos. Um, my two players are probably going to be Glorious Journey and Namos. Uh, yeah, I I was interested in learning about Namos because I was I'm I'm doing that BHA grad scheme thing at the minute. And they had the uh, the fellow who runs the International Racing Bureau over from us, which I didn't really know was a thing, but he's in, his job is really to try and attract international horses to run in Britain uh, and sort uh, our horses when they go overseas. And he was talking about, uh, you know, Namos uh, being a little bit of a... Because obviously the, the pandemic's meant we've not been able to get as many international runners as we'd like, but Namos is a bit of an exception to that. And he was saying he hopes that uh, he has a good little spell over here because there was he did he did say as well that there was meant to be an extra runner in the King George Nagano Gold wanted to come over here, but because the Czech, uh, the Czech Republic isn't in some sort of a racing agreement type thing, not the EU, but you know what I mean, a similar sort of setup that. Uh, before he came to Britain last season, a team of our vets had to go over and get blood samples for him, from him before he could come over here. And obviously, <laughs> the, the people weren't wanting to uh, do a 14-day quarantine to go and get blood samples from a horse from the Czech <laughs> Republic uh, in the middle of a pandemic, so uh, that plan got shelved. But it would have been nice to see Nagano Gold over here, but that's another uh, relatively minor thing. Coronavirus is ruined. <laughs> Dream of dreams for me, mate. Um, I'll go a glorious journey, but I'm wary of Namos. That's fair. That's very fair, pal. Uh, before that, Jim, at three o'clock is the Jeffrey Freer Stakes over the mile five. Uh, a Mirando, nine to four favourite from it. Loves loves the soft ground, but a really likable horse. Uh, for the King Power Racing, four to one. Ali Nax, Michael Stout, and Ashie Murphy, thirteen to two. Communique, seven to one. Hookham and Tritonic, nine sextant, sixteen's Max Vega, and twenty to one for Almania. Uh, Jim, what do you make of this race? Interesting one. Horses with various dis- different line, form lines coming off the backs of relatively different seasons, uh, all turning up in this. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head with interesting. It certainly is. Uh, you've got the two three-year-olds in Hukum and Tritonic in this. Uh, sorry, and you took in Max Vega. Um, you've got the standard setter who's been at this division for many years, Mirando. You've got Alignac who's progressed through handicaps going into Group 3s. You've got Sextant's reappearance who's been impressive Throughout his race, he's bumping into the occasional good one and, and second behind Mirando previously, all a bit beaten a long way. And you took in Communique runs every week. Um, <laughs> I do think it's fascinating. I think the ground's going to be the key to this. I think if Mirando gets the ground that he wants, he will he will beat these. Uh, this is the sort of race that he likes to dominate. Soft ground, over a mile and four, mile, mile and four to a mile and six. Uh, this is mile and five. I think it'll certainly be up his street. Um, I think Alignac's the wrong price. I, I think he's on the shortish, shortish side. Um, I mean, he's not really done an awful lot wrong since going handicapping. Uh, however, he's second in that listed race. You mentioned that was the weakest listed race. I, I think this this was up there as well. Um, well, I don't know. I like Trushan. He, he's getting a nice run, a bit of runner form together. He's beat some nice horses, but I'm not entirely sure how. I thought that the performance, the short head, was better than what he was. 
fair enough. So there was more authority than uh, intrusions within in the distance suggest. Yeah, um, he, he he was held up that day, and, and he was challenged on the outside and and, and got up. He had to do more to win the race than a leg knack. Um, Communicate our roll out. Which I, I just, I, he just runs every week, doesn't he? And he he tries. He, he tries his best, but he'd probably pick up a group three and surprise everyone just like he does every season. He's uh, an Empire still as well. Is he? I, I, yeah. I never mentioned. That's mental. No, he'll make a lovely style, stallion in like Turkey or somewhere in a couple of years. What? <laughs> You'll be seeing him. I reckon he might be a national sire in somewhere ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Hukum, last time out in the King George V handicap at Ascot, I thought that was a really, really good run. Um, he, he stayed assert, asserted his authority sorry, uh, towards the end of the race. Um, he got a lovely split between horses late on. And I thought Kipps was coming to win the race on the outside, but he dug in fairly deep. And he'd only had the two runs prior to this. Um, the form of that race... Is okay. Mogul had run well. Uh, Mogul, sorry, Subjectivist had run well behind Mogul and had won a Hamilton listed race. Group one power and uh, has has been beaten subsequently. But Artorian Fables run well, uh, and Bach Savvy has also won as well. So I, I think the form of that race is fairly strong enough. Uh, this is going to require another step up. Um, he's up seven pound for that win. Maybe I would have liked to have seen him in one more handicap. I'm sure they could have figured one out from somewhere. Um, however, I don't disrespect them for having a go at this level. Uh, I also think the form of the stable, Owen Burrows, has had an absolutely outstanding season so far this season. Uh, in the last 14 days, he's at a 50% strike rate. He's had 10 runners and 5 winners, which I think you can't say worse than that. Um, so I think he's interesting, but I'd approach with caution. Uh, and I think Tritonic's also interesting. He's a horse I quite like. Uh, I fancied him to beat Highland Chief in the Golden Gates and just got nabbed towards late on. But he, he did, did run well behind a horse that I mentioned already in Subjectivist, who was third behind Mogul. And I, I think the three-year-olds might be the way to be looking at in this race. They're getting a fair enough amount of weight. Uh, if the ground is soft, I, th- I think it's Morando's to lose. Other than that, I think the three-year-olds are where to go. And I'm looking forward to seeing the return of Sexton. Uh, he's a horse that I've liked. They took he took the time with him, uh, perfectly named. And hopefully he can sh- show a decent performance. He doesn't. He, he goes okay fresh. He, he won last year at Ascot Fresh. And as a two-year-old... Uh, as a three-year-old, sorry, he was second on debut. So I don't think that's going to be a question. It's just whether Michael Stout's going to have him revved up for that. I think, mate, I might just about side with Tritonic here. I think I'm I'm more towards Tritonic's side, yeah. Uh, the form of the Golden Gates handicaps obviously worked out very well. You know, Highland Chief gave him £6 that day. But Sexton looks like he wants further. And Highland Chief, I know, well, you can put a line through the derby as a race in general. Don't take any horses form from that, literally. Uh, but he proved himself to be a a group-level performer uh, when he was third in the garden behind... Uh, sorry, runner-up in the garden behind Big Fat Mogul last time out. Uh, uh, and again, after, uh, you know, finishing runner-up to Subjectivist, whose form line, you know, translates closely to Hookham. You know, he was uh, subjectivist, won the Glasgow States, where Tritonic was second. Subjectivist was third to Hookham at Royal Ascot. Uh, he had a bit of a problem after that, didn't he? Did he strike into himself? I'm not entirely sure. But they, 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 he, he won. He won at Royal Ascot with a minor injury, didn't he? Uh, and it might just be a little bit of a, of a heavy, a heavy race to come back up. There's some proper season solid campaigners in here. Uh, for Hookham to get to get grips with on only his fourth start. Tritonic's a little bit more of a... I don't want to say a little bit more of a grafter because that makes it sound like Hookham's soft, but I don't think he is. But... I, I get the feeling Tritonic's the sort of horse who would appreciate a street fight. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. Maybe it's because Hookham's profile is slightly flashier than Tritonic's. Yeah, and this race doesn't often get won by flashy horses, does it? You know, I mean, any race that Mirando's favourite for isn't going to be one that you're going to be looking at and go thinking, oh, this is going to be sexy. Uh, Mirando's for me is the best in the race. The Hardwick was a strange event. Uh, was always likely to find himself outpaced against that sort of opposition, to be fair. But his last two runs, he's, he's second to technician in this last season. And then he's a six-length victory. At Ascot after that are the two best pieces of form held by any horse in this race. So he is the right favourite. Uh, I'd, I'd just hope that one of the younger ones might be able to, to poke the red in front. Yeah. And try tonic for me. My, my only thing with this is that three-year-olds don't necessarily have the best record in the race. I don't know how many events they've running in them, but in the last couple of years, I know in 2019, 2017, uh, Defoe and Technician both won this race as three-year-olds, but we have to go back to 2011 uh, and then even further back for them, for others. So they've, they've not exactly had the best record, but in recent times they have. Uh, and I think I'll, I'll agree with you, Lewis. I'm going to go Tritonic. Happy days. A double nap. Come on. We love a bit of that. Uh, there's also the Denford Stakes. Uh, that's normally called the Washington Singer. Uh, that's produced some right horses through its time uh, Four maiden winners in there. Guru is the favourite uh, for John Gosden and Lady Bamford, but he's also Godolphin's uh, De Harbe, uh, Jumbe for Eve Johnson Horton, and James Ferguson's Francesco Guardi up against the more experienced trio of St. Lawrence, William Bly, and Chirizzo. That's a very, very good little two year old race. Some massively exciting prospects coming through from uh, coming through in that. Uh, Moving on to the Sunday gym, and the big handicap of the weekend is the Great St Wilfred at Ripon, and the bet best price is eight to one for Kimmy, five nine to one Miras, tens Dakota Golden, Motagali, twelves Arecibo, Staxton, Gunmetal, fourteens Watchable, Golden Apollo, Brian the Stale, the other side, and sixteen to one. Bar them, look, it's going to be hard enough to analyse this race because we don't have the draw and we don't have everyone jocked up but three days ahead of the race mate where are you landing for the great St Wilfred I'll tell you what this is, I'm really really excited for this race um, I, I think I mentioned Miras his, his performance in the Stewards Cup last time I thought he ran very very well uh, he raced towards the far side and led all the way and he slightly hung towards the last furlong I think if he gets out and gets a rail depending on where he's drawn because we've seen in recent years, far side, David Allen, I think if I remember, likes likes to sometimes, if he's drawn wide, just go straight for that far rail and, and give it a go on his own. I think uh, he's interesting, as well as, and again, the three-year-old uh, running against the older horses. Um, I like, uh, where, where are we? Uh, I like Motogalli. Uh, he won well last time out he beat Chill Chill at Bath and the, and the form of that race has, has been given a big boost as we saw last weekend he's improving and I think he's one I'd rather be having on side than some of the others and another one my three darts at this is last year's fifth Saxton uh, He, I think he's interesting enough in this he's £11 lower than, than last year and he also heads here off the back of a return when winning over course and distance recently. Um, he's been put up £4 for that. Uh, he's in good heart and he, he, the front two were pulling well clear towards the end. And, and I think the form is fairly solid enough on that. And he probably still could be well handicapped. Yeah, all, all very, very fair cases there, mate. I'm going to stick with one who hurt me last time, mate. Go on. And I'm going to go for Barbil. Ooh. At 25 to 1. Who I mentioned uh, with regards to the Stewards Cup, which was 26th of 27. Uh, but prior to that, his run at Haydock is very, very decent. He was a comfortable winner over Kimi 5, uh, who obviously heads the betting for this and ran a really good race in the Stewards Cup. Al Jardi, who was also 7th in the Stewards Cup, ran well. Uh, was back in third. Motogale in fourth. Sir Maximilian runs at Chester tomorrow as well, who was fifth. Uh, so look, the form of that has proved to be a very, very decent race. You've got a next time out winner, 
and two horses who were who ran good races in the Stewards Cup. It's only one bad run for you to forgive Barbil for. And I'm happy enough to do that at 25 to 1. Do you have a slight problem with him running in big fields? Um, going back to his two-year-old days, he ran 23 runner race and he was 17. Uh, he ran it 22 runner handicap at York and he was well beaten that day. Running the Air Gold Cup and he was 24 runner field and he was well beaten. Summergant in the in the Stewards Cup and he was well beaten. Do you not have a slight issue? Maybe he doesn't like the bigger field. Uh, it could be a thing. He has run all right in big in big handicaps before. Is that even though his record, admittedly, is a uh, there's more poor runs in bigger fields than better, and he has only won. I mean, now to be fair, he, look, he won at the Curragh over in an 18 runner race. You know. Uh, as a two-year-old, handicap he might be a little bit different, and re- yeah, his, his his most recent wins have been in a ten-runner race and an eight-runner race. But I don't think it's a particularly bad thing. He was fifth at the July meeting in the big handicap one by Pasavino last year, uh, and even even thought you know he was running in group races. He finished ahead of Oxted in level uh, off level weights in the Hackwood last season. He was fourth in the Carnarvon. Uh, the three ahead of him there were Cardem, Oxted and Space Traveller. That looks really good now. Uh, I think this horse is better than 97. Yeah, yeah, and understandable. Give, 25 to fact, one's value, isn't it? Given the fact that, you know, would, would you rather back Kimi 5 at 8s or Bar, uh, Barbell, sorry, Barbell at 25s? Uh, Kimi 5 gets three off with Kieran Fallon, so there's, a, there's four pounds between them. I don't. I don't think triple the price is poor. No. Give, you know, give, given the Haydock run, it's only the wrong one you've got to forgive Barbil for, and he'll be where I land uh, for the Great Saint Wilfred. Yeah, and I'll land on Staxton. Uh, the best race of the week, Jim, is the Jacqueline Marat. Marat. The, the, the what? <laughs> the pre Jacqueline Marat. The Marat. It's the R, the R and the wah noise. I don't like it. Uh, the pre-Jacques Lemawa is a... Have you not given it the full name? The pre de Haras de Fresne Le Bouffard Jacques Lemawa. Fantastic. Fantastic. He's an educated man, he's our gym. Uh, the bet best prices uh, for the big race of the week, 6-4, Palace Pier, still unbeaten. The St. James's Palace winner. Is this the biggest test of his career, though? Up against the 100 to 30 Persian king, the local star, five to one for Circus Maximus. Don't make me say it. Stop making me say it every time he runs. Stop making me tell everyone that Circus Maximus is overpriced. <laughs> uh, best price sevens, Alpine Star and Roman Eyes, and then you get 33 for Petroville and 50 to one for Restiani. Uh, Jim Palace Pier looks very, very good. He does. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I, I, I mean, his St James's Palace win was good beating Pinatubu. However, I want to see him back it up again against top quality horses once again, and this will certainly test him. He is very likely race. We have only seen him four times. Um, he seemed to find himself on a beautiful handicap mark at Newcastle. And it's not often you see horses winning handicaps at Newcastle and then going on and winning group races at, well, group ones at Royal Ascot. Um, he's certainly got a lot of potential. He is interesting going into this race. And the it will certainly test his credentials again. I do think this race is better than his one at Ascot, so he will need to have improved on that run uh, in the St. James's Palace because there's a solid enough group of four four and five-year-olds in behind. And I think Persian King, last time at Chantilly, won impressively. He he seemed to... He likes a bit of a scrap, I think. He he could come across as slightly lazy. Um, But when he gets going, you certainly know about it. Um, I think... Dropping back to a mile, having been over mile and one last time, he's not necessarily the, the biggest positive. Uh, I'd probably, I, I like Romanized in this, if anything. Um, I, you can't help but 
be impressed with his, his return in the minstrel sticks. He did beat Lancaster House, who the farm isn't obviously that going to be that strong, but he, he was an up-and-coming star. But we saw the what happened to him in this race last year uh, with Circus Maximus. He was carried left by the winner and probably, well, we all know what happened. Um, I think he's fair enough price. I know Circus Maximus, we say it every time he's overpriced, and probably he is, but I think he's a fair enough price in relation to Roman Ice's price uh, and also Alpine Star, who I thought was going to be a top... Well, she's still got the credentials to be a top, top filly this season. Uh, had a, a lowest coloured in the French Oaks uh, last time out when being beaten by Fancy Blue, and, and the former that's been backed up by Fancy Blue winning the Nassau. So you can't disrespect that form at all. Um, she gets a nice bit of weight in this, uh, carrying eight, nine against the rather well, males and, and the uh, older horses. And I, I think Alpine Star certainly interesting. The, the money's been for Alpine Star is, is really the only mover in this field at the moment, other than Palace Pier shortening up. Um, Alpine Star was nines, eight to one yesterday and and now shot sixes in places um i think she's interested in this it's a really really fascinating race and but i'm willing to watch palace pier once again i'd quite like to see him back it up that's very very fair mate uh i think he's a fair price i think six to four is very very decent i take him to be persian king but again mate <laughs> Circus Maximus doesn't get enough credit as he deserves. Bear in mind, he still beats Siskin and Kamiko. I mean, look, you can't really take that as a, as a true reflection of Kamiko's ability. Siskin wasn't getting past him. And he's the sort of horse that could tee up for Palace Pier, to be fair. Because Palace Pier's a quickener, isn't he? And if you can put the race to bed in a couple of strides before Circus Maximus has time to react and turn it into a battle, that's where the race will be won and lost. And that's probably how I see it going. But would I rather back... I'd, I'd probably rather back Circus Maximus once again. I feel like he's the equine Jordan Henderson. <laughs> Not, I mean, people, pe- people didn't want him to be as good as he is. <laughs> and, and, and now people are starting to just about clock on to how good he is and there'll still be people tell you he isn't good he is he definitely is and oh I hope he wins this I hope <laughs> he wins this look off last year's form and off what he did last time out as well Romanizes in there with a right shout Alpine star mate I guess barring love I kind of think the three year old fillies this year are a little bit of a much of a muchness although Fancy Blue's done very well as well but it's at a mile Given what happened to them in the Guineas, done by a, uh, and, and when they got done by a, a mile and a half horse, really. I'm not sure how much, how strong Alpine Star's form stacks up. I'd rather be with Romanized than her. Uh, Persian King's just very, very solid at this level, but I'd, I'd be a little bit disappointed if Palace Pier wasn't better than him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, I keep watching Alpine Stars win at, at Royal Ascot, and I, I I think that getting the weight in this, I think she could run a close enough race to this. Um, I think she she'd have give Palace Pier a race in the St James's Palace if she'd have run it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I could well and truly be wrong. Alpine Star and Romanized at the prices for me. I can see that. I can see that. I'll take you on then with Palace Pier and Circus Maximus. Right. Well, that's fair enough. We've, we've backed half the field between both of us. <laughs> yep. Happy days. It could be but... a ma- match bet we'll have. Cool. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. M- no, we won't. I'll probably lose. Um, yeah. Fascinating, fascinating race. And hopefully... Uh, it goes home to England. How much fun is that, though? The miles are suddenly good. I know. It, it's mental how it can just suddenly change like that on the flick of a coin. 
what else is there to mention this weekend, Jim? Keep your eye out uh, at Donny on Saturday. The four o'clock. Our friend Thomas Pearson's Turf Talk 12 horse to follow. Gal Yoon is jocked up. Dane O'Neill on board. Uh, remember this horse got to within a length and a quarter of Nazif in a maiden last season. Then won on his handicap debut. He's five years old. He's only had three runs. Still in training uh, with Marcus Dragoni. We hope he goes and wins at four o'clock. He's also uh, entered on Sunday. Is he? At Newbury. <laughs> Bless me. Um, Jim Crowley's also booked ab- aboard that right, uh, aboard him as well. And also we've got another turf talk horse to follow on Saturday in Tempest. Oh, where's he at? He's at Newbury 2.25 in the Unibet Yoron Handicap. He's 9-2 joint favourite with Afak. Lovely. We like that. So, oh. Owen Johnson, hopefully we can go close with him. We've got two horses running this weekend for Turf Talk 12 to follow. And, in fact, Domino Darling is also entered. Is that Adam Webbs, if I remember rightly? It is, Adam. I mean... <laughs> He's entered on Sunday. She's entered, sorry, on Sunday. Uh, ten past five at New Newbury. Well, that's made my RTR nap comp easier, hasn't it? Uh, uh, and, she's <laughs> also, and she's also entered on Monday at Windsor, seven o'clock. So we've got a busy couple of days for the Turf Talk to have to follow. Yeah, happy days. We love that. Still no sign of Satono Japan, unfortunately. <laughs> and convicts, I think, behind bars. The Melrose Stakes team, that was the plan all along. But if we can't win the ledger, we'll take the Melrose. Uh, Kingsland as well, the winner of the bigger, big race at Donny last season. That's worked out quite well. He makes his seasonal reappearance back at Donny in and of his stakes as well. An easy game's running tomorrow uh, at Tremor as well. Uh, his odds on favourite. But Mengley Khan's 15-2, which is surely overpriced in a race full of dross. Uh, Mengli Khan each way in fact is the scummiest of scumbag bets ever in an 8 runner race uh, four of, uh, sorry, 5 of whom are 16 to 1 or bigger surely we back Mengli Khan each way at 15 to 2 did I see a little debate on Twitter about his consistency like he's run a fair few times this season and it's been surprising how often he's run in the normal Oh, don't get me wrong, yeah. I mean, Mengli Khan is not a horse you can set your clock by. But he's 15-2 to two in a in an eight-runner race where easy game will win. The second fav is Razul, who's only had one start over fences. And then the rest of them are rated below 130. Yeah. Lump on. Napa. <laughs> I can't do an each-way nap, can I? No, that doesn't exist. But that is my real nap, not my uh, RTR nap. Our RTR picks, Jim, please. Um, you've thrown me, and I don't know why, because we do it every week. Um, Carlos Felix is in at Doncaster 540. We'll nap him. He's top weight. I, I do think he's better than 86, and and he's run at Goodwood. Nothing really went his way, and, and I do think that's a very winnable race. So... We'll nap Carlos Felix uh, at Newbury. We will go next best with. We'll go next best with Glorious Journey. Uh, I think Glorious Journey's got a fair enough chance. And at Ripon in the Great St Wilfred, we will go for Staxton as our reserve. We'll go. I, I don't know the price of uh, Carlos Felix yet. Um, however. We'll go with the bigger prices of uh, Glorious Journey and Staxton. I'm going to trust my mates. I'm going to nap Galloon and Nick's Best Tempest. I'm a company man. <laughs> trust trust in the boys. First run of the season. and the First runs of the season for them both. So hopefully uh, they're better than Jim's pick. I don't think it could be hard. <laughs> and my... Uh, and my... My reserve, mate. I do like my case for Barbell, but it's ridiculous to put a horse up, you know, in in a pick free for the entire weekend when we don't know the draw. We don't know who's riding him. 
and we don't know in fact whether he's actually going to turn up. But I do think Bar, I think do think twenty five to one at Barbil is a much uh, is a much tastier price than you'll get about other twenty five to one shots if he returns to his hate up form. It could look very good. Uh, so I will go, I'll go for Guru in the Washington Singer. Yes. Uh, time form of that is the strongest maiden so far this season, I think. Uh, when Even though there, there is faults in that form as well, though. Oh, he ran to a big figure, though. And he did string them out quite nicely. Uh, so I'm happy enough to go with him, mate. Uh, he's, a, he's, he's a horse who I thought felt, you know... Him and Maximo would have just kept pulling clearer and clearer, and they were, and they both grafted and tried to beat each other. So I like that from him. Good race at though. In fact, I'm probably looking forward to that more than anything else. Yeah. Um, uh, in in I, I, Britain this weekend, anyway. Yeah, I do really like Guru. Um, Legend of Dubai and Kolkata Cup have been slightly disappointing since, but the, the fifth has come out and won. The six has been disappointing, and and a few more down the field. I, I do think Guru. I think the. The front two guru and Maxwell uh, are two to certainly look out for this season. Yeah, mate. Before we go, we just put on Twitter with anything else anyone wanted wanted us to mention. Our friend Urban, who you used to be on the Register Rambles podcast with, uh, asked us, "Will there ever be a, a boy who can run as fast as a racehorse?" Lovely office reference, uh, and the answer is yes. Me versus Shefters or Bo. Uh, I think I'd beat Shefters or Bo in a race. <laughs> <laughs> be, I tell you what, it'd be. It, we, we'd have to like bring some lounges out, mate. We'd be there for a long time. I'd beat Sheffield's over for ten meters. We'd need table service, mate, while that were going on. <laughs> be like a Grand Prix. Oh, I Jesus Christ! And uh, do we think pigeon racing should be televised? I've never seen a pigeon race. Have you not? My granddad used to race pigeons. Um. I don't know an awful lot about it, but I used to feed them. <laughs> is it, was your granddad Jack Duckworth? My granddad is not Jack Duckworth. <laughs> He's complete opposite. Every time I see him, it's exactly. It all. It always sounds like that. Blessing me, love granddad Jim. Uh, yeah, why not? They televise some right shite. I'd rather. I'd rather they televise pigeon racing than uh, esports. Oh, I was flicking through the channels the other night and there was uh, Animal Crossing Live. Oh, Christ. <laughs> how, how exciting is that? Uh, two lads sat there on a Nintendo Switch playing with that. Um, that was fairly boring. You can't um, win Animal Crossing, though, can you? I mean, I, 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 I've never been into gaming. I don't have a console, really. But I've never... Like... Sure, you can win Call of Duty by killing everyone else, can't you? But Animal Crossing, like, you can't... You just, like, make friends with a raccoon. <laughs> that is... Well, I've never played it myself, so I can't know. So let us know if you, if you know about Animal Crossing. But, um, no, I don't think you can win. Um, what else is, is a rubbish sport? There's loads of rubbish sports in there that shouldn't be televised. Um, that cricket, the the cricket league that is like the European cricket league that's like watching Stan from Presswich, as if not any of you know where Presswich is bowling right arm over, and it, every delivery is wide. It's it, that's horrible. It's the worst cricket you will ever watch. Have you ever watched drone racing? That were pretty decent. That were on Sky Sports once upon a no. time, and that and that that were worth watching. These people find these mad drones sending them through hoops and shit. No. Was that something to do with Red Bull? Because the Red Bull things that are on Dave that are like jumping off a cliff and seeing if you can fly dressed as a chicky or something like <laughs> that. I was, I was a fan of that. And when you get sent down and build them own, build your own cars and get sent down a racetrack, I like them. They're all right. Yeah, as long as we can bet on it, Jim. <laughs> Gamble responsibly. Ha! Gamble responsibly. Uh, thanks to rating the races. Uh, for all the support as well, uh, go and follow them if you don't already. But surely you do by now. Surely you've had the sense to follow them by now and let them find you all the winners that they do. Uh, we'll be back next week, Jim, to talk about the Ebo. Come on. I, 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 this is the only thing that's putting me down next week. I'd love to be at that festival so much. We would be uh, there. But we're just going to have to wait. Um, not long to go now. 
and hopefully I love that meeting. Frankie always wins the first. That's the first rule, and I can't wait for it. The love train rolls on. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to Turf Talk. Uh, I've been Lewis. That's been James. Uh, bless up, and we'll see you all again next week. See you later.